0: Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. Today, we're going to take a look at Jeff Wayne's musical of War of the Worlds and what a great show it is. I've done this show in the past and I always, always look forward to this show because I love this show. It's one of my favourite musicals and I say it's a musical, it's a rock opera. It is based on one of my favourite books of all time by H.G. Wells. I first came across a story when I was in year eight at school, so if you're um, from America or from one of the colonies, if you're in year eight at school you were 13 or 14 years of age and from the moment I read this book I was like yes I'm hooked on it and then when I found out that there was a musical of it I was like BAM straight on that, listening to it on a vinyl because a, a friend of mine had it on vinyl. And if you had an original cut of the vinyl from uh, the 1970s you would be sitting on a potential little gold mine. It's a lovely keepsake. The vinyl has a lovely sound with Richard Burton on the original version of the uh, narrations. Now you have Liam Nielsen who is equally as good but to be honest though I'm a Richard Burton fan throughout (laughs) anyways so I completely digress so let's have a look at what we got in the uh, in the arena today today's show is a eight truck show and there are six tour buses they have their own stage they have the main stage and the B stage which is connected by a bridge which uh, is used Later on in the show, and because the height of the arena's roof, the alien tripod is seen throughout the show. Whereas in other venues, because they've got the higher roof, it it actually comes down out of view and into view. Which it can't be helped in our venue, but still, it looks amazing and impressive, anyways. Sound wise, you have line arrays which, which are two wide and ten deep. You then have in the centre of the arena, you also got the smaller line arrays giving uh, front fills rather than the front fills being on the stage. You've also got the uh, line arrays further back, stage left and stage right, pointing 45 degrees outwards to give the surround sound effect. You have two side screens and one giant screen at the back all projected all rear projected you have a massive lighting rig which has been modernized over the years to be led and currently the stage has been built and just and just this minute been wheeled into position and now they're putting the seats out now i can't tell you much more about the build because i wasn't here for the build and it is not and it's now 11 uh, 15 a.m the show started loading in at the unusual early time of 3 a.m because today not only do you have a matinee and the main show both of which are completely sold out you also have a vip sound check where a proportion of the audience who have paid extra money to come and see the sound check and that starts at noon bang on hence why the very early sound check both shows today are going to be immensely awesome and I'm looking so forward to seeing this show once again. It's always been a privilege to work on this show in my opinion and, um, and you, for me it's just one of the greatest shows ever written musically, lyrically and visually as well. Because at the end of the day, Jeff Wayne was the person responsible for the commission of the famous War of the Worlds tripod. And a lot of people over the years have used or based their tripods on the artwork that he had commissioned for his show. We'll be back after this. So not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book, A Tribute 2, is fitting with the tone of the book because, like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry, as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle and the links for all of these books are in the description below. And we're back. So, Jeff Warren was born 1st of July in 1943 and is an American-born naturalised British composer, musician and lyricist. In 1978, he released Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds, his musical adaptation of H.G. Wells' science fiction novel The War of the Worlds. Wayne wrote approximately 3000 advertising jingles in the 1970s which appeared on television in the United Kingdom, including, including a Gordon's Gin commercial which was covered by the Human League. Wayne also composed numerous television themes, including Good Morning Britain's, which was TVAM, ITV, The Big Match, and The World of Sport, BBC 60 Minutes, and, for 24 years, the UK's first news radio station, LBC. Wayne wrote feature film and documentary film scores, and was musical director for various artists. Wayne published a book called The Book of Tennis and created, produced and scored eight 30-minute episodes of The Book of Tennis Chronicles that was distributed by Fox Sports in approximately 20 countries and was broadcast in the US on the Tennis Channel between 2005 and 2008. So Jeff Wayne was born on the 1st of July 1943 in Forest Hills, Queens, New York, United States. His father, Jerry Wayne, was an actor, singer, and theatre producer. Jeff Wayne spent four years of his childhood in the UK when his father played romantic gambler Sky Masterson in the original West End musical production of Guys and Dolls. Four years later, they returned to New York. Wayne graduated from Stephen Halsey Junior High and attended Forest Hills High School for one year and played and played for its tennis team before moving to California. Wayne graduated from Grant High School then from Los Angeles Valley College with a journalism degree. He played keyboards in a local band and coached tennis to support himself. After completing his journalism degree he switched to music playing keyboards briefly with the Sandpipers. In 1966, Wayne composed a score for his father's West End musical Two Cities based on Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities which ran at London's Palace Theatre. The musical was successful, winning for Edward Woodward the Evening Standard Award for Best Male Performance in a Musical for 1968 to 1969. Returning to the UK, Wayne became a record producer. In 1970 or 1971, he made a single, The Bitterman theme featuring Chris Spreading on guitar, a version of which was used in the television commercial for Ansel's Bitter. Wayne helped produce David Essex's album, Rock On. Essex was subsequently a voice actor in the War of the Worlds, playing the part of the Artillery Man. Wayne also provided the score for the 1977 action thriller, Golden Rendezvous, which starred Richard Harris. In 1978, Jeff Wayne's musical version of the War of the Worlds was released, achieving international success Wayne's two disc compositions sold millions of copies around the world and was the 40th best-selling album of all time in the UK by 2009. It included the worldwide hit single The Eve of the War and Forever Autumn, both sung by Justin Hayward, and included narration throughout by Richard Burton. It won two Ivor Novello Awards and the best recording in the science fiction and fantasy genres and the judges included Steven Spielberg, george lucas and alfred hitchcock the eve of the war was used by the offshore radio station radio delamere as its theme tune the album was re-released on sadc in 2005 or jcd five tracks were remastered and placed on the second disc mostly without wayne's input a limited edition seven disc collector's edition cd and box set and dvd box set which included remixes, outtakes, and a documentary, and was issued in 2005. Wayne announced a new musical version of the War of the Worlds album to be released in June 2012, titled Jeff Wayne's Musical Version of War of the Worlds The New Generation. The album was released in November 2012. After the War of the Worlds, Wayne continued to compose and produce music, such as the music for the 1979 television film The Knowledge and the Who's Movie McVicar. Released in, in 1980. Wayne composed music for the Fry's Turkish Delight advertisement in 1981. And the theme for Good Morning Britain in 1982 on TV AM. And music for the 1984 album Beyond the Planet. Kevin Peake and, and Rick Wakeman's progressive rock recording of Hulse orchestral suite. In 1992, Wayne released Jeff Wayne's musical version of Spartacus, his first major release since War of the Worlds. Its cast included Anthony Hopkins, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Ladysmith Black Mambazo, and Marion's Fish. It featured a libretto by Gary Osborne, and a story combining powerful themes of oppression, de- desperation, love, and death. Wayne was involved in producing Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds in 1998, a computer game that included 45 minutes of music from his musical version of War of the Worlds. He re scored and remixed it in an electronica style with techno beats. The game also featured computer generated visualizations of numerous scenes from the album, an idea Wayne would later revisit. In 1999, a related game also titled Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds was released for the the Sony PlayStation. The War of the Worlds was re-released in the summer of 2005. It spent 10 consecutive weeks in the top 10 of the UK album charts, including its release. The album achieved sales to 3 million in the UK and approximately fourteen million worldwide. Also, in 2005 it was announced that the musical would be going on a UK tour in April 2006. The live show was taken to Australia and New Zealand and returned to the UK during December 2007. The show produced by Damien Collier used the 10-piece band and a 48-piece string orchestra, voice actors, screen projected images and animatronics. Universal Pictures released a DVD of the show filmed at Wembley Arena using 23 high-definition cameras and directed by Dave Mallet. In 2022, the, U- the UK Arena Tour relaunched following the COVID-19 outbreak. The tour premiered at Nottingham's Motorpoint Point Arena on the 23rd of March and once again starred Justin Hayward as the sung thoughts of the journalist. Other notable casts for this tour included Claire Richards from Steps as Beth, Duncan James from Blue as Parson as Nathaniel and Kevin Clifton Strictly Come Dancing as the artilleryman. The show also featured a holographic version of Liam Nielsen as the journalist. Wayne's first television series, A Book of Tennis Chronicles, was broadcast worldwide in 2005 and distributed by Fox Sports. It features well-known tennis players and events set against the events in the world history from from 1877 to 2005. Wayne created and produced eight half-hour episodes and scored its music. The series executive producer was Damien Collier. So here is Jeff Wayne's discography. The Bitterman theme, remember Joe. Then Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds in 1978. You had Jubilation, a TV theme for the big match in 1978. Then you had highlights from Jeff Wayne's musical version of World of the Worlds in 1981. You had Matador in 1982 which was a television theme for the world cup Jeff Wayne's musical version of Spartacus in 1982, Jeff Wayne's musical version of war of the worlds the new generation 2012 and piano strings and some other things EP in 2018 so that is a nice bit of background from Jeff Wayne we'll be back after this A tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate. In this podcast there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic. Be warned that this podcast contains strong offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences the links for this is in the description below and we're back so a few more things have happened since I was since I last reported and now the bridge has been loaded into position and tested on the B stage and they're currently sending a brave member of the crew to cross the bridge to make sure that it is going nowhere and uh, it's not going to slip from position to position although they could have sent the uh, biggest person because they didn't (laughs) they sent on a very ditty member of crew Although she put a lot of welly into trying to try and throw herself around on the stage to try and make the uh, feet of the bridge move, and it didn't. So we now know that the bridge is pretty much tested, ready to go. And what they'll do in a moment is fly it up out of the way. Currently, they are testing the pit on the front of the stage, which is downstage centre, just in front of the uh, stage section of the bridge and that's now just being flown up out of the way the pit lift has been tested vigorously and they're just doing one final check uh, just for safety's sake all the orchestra sections have been uh, mounted correctly and and Jeff Wayne's purposely designed conductor stand is in position ready to go they're currently focusing some of the lights to adjust the pallets ready for uh, rehearsal I say rehearsal, it'll be sound check it's fully rehearsed as it is the front of the stage has just been uh, draped with their own custom drapes which are essentially uh, grey with cogs on there which fits in the 1800s technology that is, which is prevalent within this version of War of the Worlds. The, and this version is just based on the book so it is completely true to its time period. It's the only version that is completely true to the time period and original source material. It turns out that the projectors this year on the side are not rear projected, they are front projected and they're hidden behind the line arrays, whereas normally they are rear projected so I don't know why there's a difference this time round but it doesn't matter rear projected or front projected, it works just as good either way. The follow spots are being tested by the crew on the balconies and they're testing it by uh, shining it onto the uh, guy who's cleaning each section of the floor up just before they lay before they lay a row a bank of chairs. It's very tight, and we were getting there slowly and steadily, but on target. We are definitely looking on target to open up for the pre-show VIP sound check. I have to say, the crew have done marvelously well on this build. They have done very very well. Both in-house crew, local crew, and the tour crew. Everyone's worked together marvelously. And you couldn't ask for a better team to collaborate together to put the show in on the, on the one of the tightest turnarounds. And this turnaround's been the tightest it's been since the reopening of the entertainment industry within the whole country. We'll be back after this. If you're a singer, a musician, a cabaret artist dancer actor and you want to promote your show or promote yourself and you want to have a conversation you could do this by coming on our show the email address to contact me is masterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and come on our show and we're back so as the house lights went down Jeff Wayne came out to thunderous applause and took his pre-show bows and thank yous he went to his conductor's perch and then the VT started up. There was a new introduction by H.G. Wells as he was describing the inspiration as he was describing the inspiration and the story behind how he came up with the War of the Worlds, which I thought was a nice addition to the show. The VT went directly into the Leon Nielsen intro, which was formerly done by Richard Burton. which was formerly done by Richard Burton, and the band began to start up with the intro to the Eve of the War. With the change to the LED lighting, the alien green and purple contrast in that intro just looks really sharp and swish, you wouldn't have been able to get a uh, sharp colour like that with with conventional moving lights, let alone uh, geled lights. These LEDs were specifically used for this specific purpose and it's such a garish colour which with the purple is another garish shirt purple, and with both of the garish purples and greens, they just combine so well to make something that looks so right, especially with the tone of this show. The lighting and the VT are timed perfect to the band and orchestra, and that is down to the piece to a piece of old technology. Even though it's old, it's definitely not obsolete because it's at the timecode clock. So what happens with that is the sound desk sends out the uh, time code to every uh, every technical department so the lighting, automation, pyro and uh, even the band they all get fed the time clock from uh, the from the sound desk. Now when all the when all the control consoles are on on that uh, time code the show is run automatically by the computers because it's all done in time. Now why do you need the operator as well? If for example on the sound wise that a singer wasn't singing as loud as they could be because they're holding back because they've got a sore throat uh, the sound operator can uh, override and boost the uh, vocals same with uh, if a uh, band member wasn't playing as good as he wanted to or a little bit quieter the sound engineer can adjust and override The pyro technician and the automation technician however their consoles are not on automation because uh, if someone's in the wrong place at the wrong time someone could get seriously hurt or even killed so all they get is uh, the timecode clock sent to them in front of them and then they'll activate or not activate depending on the position of the uh, cast and the band members etc just to make sure that no one gets injured. Why is, the, why is the lighting engineer there if, uh, if it's automated? Well, just like uh, the sound, if a unit goes down, he can over, he or she can override the uh, lighting desk and put extra light in from another unit that isn't being used at the time. So, for example, if a of light that lights up a principal member of the cast goes down, then, he could, then the lighting operator can override another unit that's nearby to uh, take over the lighting of the uh, principal. Now one thing that I love about this show is the fighting machine. When it got lowered down during the show the legs come down and moved uh, as, independently to the body so they it looked like it was actually moving and reacting to the shooting around it and there's a great part such a great part where where the fighting machine just spat out flames from uh, its front as well as the uh, front of the stage catching fire obviously it's a a controlled fire on the front of the stage because there are fire pits at the front of the stage where it is is actually a controlled flame which comes up and it's set off by the pyrotechnician and then when the uh, when the fighting machine was under attack it maneuvered into a position where it looked like it actually sustained damage and then you had a different kind of pyro come out from some of its joints uh, and it's like the electrical, it was an electrical explosion where it, like you'd see in the movies or on TV when a computer console blows up and fizzes out, you have a pyro that's called a robotic and it looks as though there's an electrical fire and explosion even though it's not so it's a nice little practical effect that and one thing that I love about the, uh, the uh, second from last song Forever Young when it's talking about when they're singing about the leaves coming down when the leaves are falling from the trees you've got no trees in the arena and there's no tree on the entire planet either that can uh, rain leaves on cue and it rained leaves. How do they do that? Well, it's not tombolas up in the grid with uh, leaves in there that are being released. It's actually uh, spare members of the crew. Sometimes the bus drivers or the truck drivers or whoever's available are positioned in the grid with bagfuls. And I mean bagfuls of dried leaves. Such a great effect. Such a great effect. And at the end of Act 1 you had such an amazing reaction to it, yet again another thunderous applause from the audience and they loved it and and from someone like me who loves this show, it was great to hear that thunderous applause of people who loved that show just as much. We'll be back after this. The name's Vert. Percival Reginald Vert and I run the PR Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the police will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police, so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. Percival Vert is no hero. He is a low-life scumbag and the full embodiment of how not to be a man. He cheats his way into getting work, he objectifies women and is quite a disgusting human being, if you can even call him that. Gumshoe is intended to poke fun at everyone that takes life too seriously and directly tower whips the modern-day Puritans in the balls because they've forgotten the fact that when something isn't funny in real life, it's probably hilarious in the land of fiction. Come and listen to Gumshoe every Wednesday. The links are in the description below. And we're back. So as Jeff Wayne came out on stage for the the top of Act 2, once again he received a massive round of applause from the audience. He took his position and the VT started up. H.G. Wells appeared and told how he saw the start of World War 1, the war to end all wars, and and it reminded him of the world he created once the uh, sequence was over Leo Nielsen uh, reappeared for his Act 2 intro the Parson was played by Duncan James aka Duncan from Blue and he played a great Parson the insanity and disturbed and even traumatized uh, character just came out through uh, Duncan and his lyrics and it was not just his physical actions it was how he uh, came across with the uh, broken parson, that made a real good impact, I mean, you have to hand it to him, he did really well with that part, because you could either play it very ham acting or you could do it serious, and he did it serious, and he was quite believable with his uh, portrayal of the parson, and then his interaction with the hologram Liam Nielsen where it came down to getting punched by a hologram he did it really well, he didn't do it cheesy he took his punch like a man and fell onto the pit lift which was slightly lowered so it could hide him but it wasn't a long fall, it was just enough to catch him and hide him from view but he didn't quite fall into position correctly which is unfortunate, it happens because unless there's a bright light over the edge of the pit which there wasn't, it's hard to get in the right place so he ended up having to slowly call himself a little bit forward so his feet would clear the edge of the pit and uh, when it's time for the pit lift to go fully down to get him off the stage, it would be safe and with this being said and Duncan doing it in such a professional manner, very slow and subtle and I doubt anyone that really noticed in the audience that this happened because they're more concentrating on the screen because at the same time you had the alien claw come down from the machine on the animation and grabbing the parson and pulling him away so it's not likely that people notice that but I notice stuff like this because that's my job to notice stuff on stage (laughs) the artillery re-entered act two as the uh, bridge was lowered down and he utilized the bridge pretty well it was well very well blocked and at one point he ended up pretending to crank the uh, bridge back into the air and a little stroke of genius uh, within the uh, artilleryman sequence he went onto the pit lift with his spade and pretended to dig down and as he was digging down the pit was lowering and lowering not too much though because uh, in the story he didn't dig that much, and he was getting mocked by the uh, narrator about how little he achieved. Even though you, uh, the yet again, there's another delusion with the sh- within the show and the character, the uh, the artilleryman who actually believed he was doing something great, and in fact he wasn't. Now, to, right at the end of the show, in the last song, in the last main song, uh, the fighting machine was reintroduced he come back down but the feet didn't quite touch the floor giving it a nice little dangle effect as though uh, as though it was a very wobbly um, imagine if you held a frog by the head and these spindly legs were just wobbling around from his wobbly uh fat belly that's how the eight, how the fighting machine looked uh, as it was uh, doing its as it was doing its swan song uh, prior to its death and then as it as it was dying the uh, fighting machine emanated a massive belch of smoke and then it went to complete darkness all the lights on the fighting machine had died and the stage was lit leaving the fighting machine in silhouette even when the garish green and purple which was perfect for the show came back on the stage it just gave a nice impact that yes the alien fighting machine was dead so throughout the show the sound was amazing i mean it was absolutely 22 karat clarity and quality and it was perfectly balanced so the programming of the desk as well as the override as well as the inevitable overrides from the sound engineer were spot on absolutely spot on zero feedback and surround sound was really clean it was very very clean you could hear absolutely every aspect of the band and every aspect of the orchestra as well as as well as the vocals so absolutely perfection the lighting effects the visual effects on the screen the lighting effects along with the visual effects and the live camera feed being vision mixed into the uh, visual effects were perfect they there you are constantly on the time code and it works really well it all connected perfectly And everything was completely in sync. Even the band, the orchestra, and the uh, vocalist—they were all superb. Everything worked really well. Everyone worked really well and hard on today's performance. On both performances, to be honest. After the epilogue, you had a massive, massive round of applause from the audience. Everyone got, everyone got applauded as the main characters, as the principals came down the ramp on the uh, stage and came in to take a bow they got a massive round of applause and then but once all the cast and the band and the orchestra had all been uh, applauded jeff wayne came down to the thrust section of the stage and got a standing ovation as he took his bow what a show what a talent thank you for listening to this podcast if you've enjoyed today's podcast please hit like subscribe and share And if you haven't already done so, why not check out more of our content, which you can find at www.masterxmedia.info. And we'll catch you next time. Bye for now.